Awesome worship. Thank you so much, guys. Oh, I feel like a part of me just wants to say, amen, let's go home now. <laughs> that was great. Oh, well, this last week, um, we, uh, we, we've experienced a little bit of uh, learning or putting what we've been talking about into practice. Some of you have been listening to the, the news of the stock market just kind of, you know, tanking a little bit and everyone's going, oh my gosh, and the fear, right, was palpable. You just turn on, it was hard not to turn on the news or turn on the radio or so, and somebody was talking about this, this economic thing that's happening where it was causing this panic in the stock market or whatever else and everybody from the people at the stock market or the TV commentator or news commentator to the person with the 401k is going, what's going on? What's happening? And in that being said, you know, a part of it was with China, which was this unstoppable economic force for how many years that people were looking at going, oh, look at it. It's, a, it's, it's, a, it's just a, a, an animal of, of awesome economic power that's never going to end. And then it's just it's starting to crash and people are going, what's going on? And people who thought that would never happen and are seeing it happen right now. And it's people are going, what's happening? What's going on? And there's fear, a lot of fear in 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 this area which is very timely to what we're talking about and living the fearless life and how do we deal with the fear that surrounds us and very much so it's what you're hearing today with the economy and different things like that but I also got to experience a different type of fear this week when I was here having a meeting with some people and we were we were just kind of sitting there and, and having a meeting and talking about things in church and all of a sudden we heard this kind of this loud pop boom bang kind of sound <laughs> Going, what, what the heck is that? I don't know if you ever experience that where you're just kind of sitting there enjoying your life or having something happen and all of a sudden boom so i get up and I go what is that and I, I go outside and i look around here nothing i look around here as i turn the corner by the sign here look down clark street and there's a, a hedge fully engulfed in, engulfed in flames just you know the flames are like seven feet high and everyone's starting to come out of their house and they're like oh, and i'm standing there and i go and i see the flames and i see the giant eucalyptus tree that is right next to the house that's about 100 feet tall that's really dry because of the drought and I go, oh no. <laughs> you know, it's like that moment where you're like, <gasps> and I just run and I, I grabbed a thing and I, anyway, ended up, a lady came out of her house, she had a fire extinguisher and she, you know, you could just see her. She was like, I, I don't know, I don't know what to do. I'm like, thanks. And I grab it and I, you know, I do my thing and then got the hose and anyway, no, I <laughs> but but it was crazy because it was like, it was like, what, what, what did it was something that now I have a fear of and I never had a fear of before. These power lines up here, there's a thing called a transformer. And, and it doesn't just, it, it exploded. And I'm like, the only thing I know about transformers is they fight Decepticons. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's, that's all I know. I used to play with them as toys. I don't know. I'm not a... I'm not, a, yeah, some of you are like, oh my gosh, here, this is our pastor. I don't know about Transformers. It exploded and caused this fire that almost started, yeah, it started, almost burnt down a, a, a house. It could have burnt down, I mean, it was crazy. We're still looking at pieces in our yard. Yeah, exactly. So, but, but it's one of those things that I go, I didn't even know I was supposed to be afraid of that. Yeah. And, and now I'm, I, I kind of, I'm driving by and I see these things and I go, is that going to explode? You know? <laughs> You get a little, it's like after you get into a minor car accident, you're a little more shy behind that. You, you get it, and, and so the, it's just this fear. And, and we're constantly reminded, I feel, of the fear in the world, but 
what I want to bring us back to is that main idea of what we're talking about in living the fearless life. And it's simply this. Fearless living can only be found in the person and plan of God. Because even in those transformers that you don't even know about, they, they, could, they could go at any moment. The economy could crash at any moment. People's healths can stop at any moment. Our worlds can be shaken. Fear can come at us at any time. See, the truth is, every other person will fall and every plan will fail. Even transformers. That's the truth. That's why only be, if we really want to live fearless, if we really want to have a life that's filled with fearless living, it can only be found in the person and plan of God. See, the Israelites learned this lesson because th- this was the second generation of Israelites that had been saved from, from um, slavery in Egypt. And very much so that they had come out of this and their parents had grumbled and complained and let fear drive them. Because they, they had come to the promised land only a few months after coming out of Egypt. They had come to this promised land that God was going to give them. And they sent spies in and they looked at it and the spies came back. Joshua and Caleb were only two out of ten spies that came back or two out of twelve spies that came back and said, we can do this because we have God. But the rest were saying, no, we can't. We, we should be afraid because there's giants there. And they let fear guide them instead of the person and plan of God. And they ended up dying, wandering in the wilderness. And I feel like many times I can look at people's lives. I've counseled people who are dying as they wander in the wilderness because they don't look to the person and plan of God. And they're looking to everything else. And, and, and it just saddens me because I feel like God has created us to follow Him, to seek Him, and to live in such a way, and we miss that. And so that's my hope through this series. I'm super excited. And, and one of the things I want to point out to you, and I hope that you're doing this, is we're going through the book of Joshua. Joshua is a big book. It's a big book, right? Like today we're going to conquer Joshua 3 and 4. I've only got like 35 minutes. We're going through two chapters of God's Word here. This is a big chapter. There's a lot more that I can't share with you. So my hope is that through this week, you're going through the book of Joshua yourself. Pick up Joshua, chapters 3 and 4, and and, and go through it as well. And look at it. What is God telling you? Because I'm not going to be able to hit every avenue here. I just can't. And and, and everybody keeps telling me I can't do 53-week sermons anymore. So, you know, like the series I used to do, I would do like 53 weeks. I guess that's not popular, so... Yeah. <laughs> I've been known to do that. I went through the book of Luke and it took me almost two years. But, but you know what? Because it's, because it's dense, people. I mean, there's so much there. Yes, it's simple. But God speaks to us. He speaks to us in these things. And so my hope is that you are doing this. And, and that I'm, you're not just coming to, that I can feed you, but you're becoming self-feeders to some extent. You are disciples in Jesus as you're looking on your own and walking, walking with Him. And maybe with others. That's why we encourage the Grow Gathering. We hope that you are finding these people to work alongside with and grow in faith together. Uh, So today we're going to look at Joshua chapter 3 and 4. I'm not going to read the whole thing because you would get tired. Um, But but our take-home truth is simple for this. As the Israelites face the challenge of a a mighty challenge before them, um, we we have this today too. And and this take-home truth is simple. It says, fearless living means we let Jesus lead us through the river as we trust in his plan for us. 
So we let Jesus lead us through the river as we trust his plan for us. Okay, can you stand up for me really quick? We're going to go ahead and read out of the book of Joshua, chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. And this is where we pick up here. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shetam and went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. Now after three days, the officers went throughout the camp giving orders to the people. Now when you see, this is what they're saying, when you see the, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and then follow it. Then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the ark. Do not go near it. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Joshua said to the priests, Take up the ark of the covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel, so that they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Again, there's another thing we were talking about before. Now verse 8, tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the water or the river. Okay, you may be seated. So there's some things going on here. And again, I can't highlight everything because this is we're going through chapters 3 and 4. And there's just so much. And I'm excited to teach this to you because I believe this is very applicable today. I know you're not wearing your Levitical priest garbs. I know you didn't grab your Ark. Okay, (laughs) we're not looking to conquer a land, quote unquote, like the Israelites, but very much so we have principles here that I believe apply to your day-to-day life. And I just want to look at this in light of that and what they learned in fearless living, we can learn as well. So first and foremost, I want to I show you a picture of the ark because this is, this is a key point in this passage. And what we have here is just kind of a, 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 an artist's rendition. I think this, might have, this actually is real, what they created. But you have uh, two cherubim uh, angels that are over and their wings connect. And, and this, actually, that right there is called the mercy seat of the ark. And the ark was to hold uh, um, the Ten Commandments, uh, some manna that was given in, in, in um, every day. They put it in a jar and it was in there, inside. And it, it was basically just some memorial pieces that showed God amongst the people. And the ark was supposed to represent It was supposed to be a representation of where God was sitting and dwelling so that it would go before them. Now this is important. See, because what we have here with the cherubim, we have this, what is called the mercy seat. And they were to, it was to mark the place where the Lord dwelt, where the Lord communicated with Moses. It it didn't have weird ghosts living in it that came out and melted the face of Nazis. Okay? That's kind of a, you know, that's, that's the idea of, of, you know, kind of Hollywood, right? What a surprise. Hollywood doesn't get it right all the time. Um, but the, but the, really, if you were to get a simple aspect of this one sentence, the ark represented God's presence. It, it represented God's presence to his people, his holiness amongst his people. And, and so that's why Joshua is very careful. Don't go too near it. Okay, don't go too near it. In fact, there's an interesting uh, um, side note. As David is taking the ark from a certain point, the ark actually slips because you're supposed to hold it. You know, two uh, bearers on each side and they hold it and it slips off of this um, the, um, this uh, cart and one of the guys goes to touch it, to grab it, to make sure it doesn't hit the ground. But because he touches it, he dies instantly. <laughs> to show that God is serious about being completely holy before you enter into his presence. 
It's an interesting concept that we forget most of the time today as we've come so cavalierly. But the ark is that symbol. And so we see God's presence symbolically going out in front or going out before his people to lead the way, to prepare the way so that his people might follow. See, and what this gives us is that first aspect that I think we find in Joshua 3, 4 about fearless living. Fearless living means we wait for God to go before us. This seems simple. Really, it does. We wait for God to go before us. But let me say, this is one of the hardest things to do. Why? Because we're human beings, right? And, 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 instead, and I say that simply, but, but the truth is we, we really become human doings. We're very much about moving. We're very much about going and doing and being. And this is all the way from the garden. It's all about what, what, what can I do? Where do I need to go? How do I need to do it? And, and what we have here is a pattern that we usually mix up. Many times we get this backwards. We're constantly trying to do our thing or get our way. And we can even put a religious spin on it. See, we have a tendency to jump out in front of God and say, now you come along. I'm going to go before and I'm going to do this. You, you come and meet me, God, and bless me as I go do this thing. Do you get what I'm saying? Now, I, I mean this facetiously, but it's... A part of this is true. Uh, Lord, bless this double bacon avocado burger with, fried, with a fried egg on top as I eat it at Fat Burger. May you bless this. Lord, bless me to make my payments on all my maxed out credit cards on that house that is way more than I should have gotten and afford and the four really nice cars that I'm using to impress my neighbors. See what I'm saying? Lord, bless me in that job that I went before you and put everything else on hold for, like my family and even times with you. Lord, I'm going to go before you and take this job in a new state, away from everyone and everything I know. I will leave my church family and close relationships and have that have kept me grounded in you, and I know this, but, but you, can, you can bless me. Bless me, Lord. Lord, I'm going to go before you in this relationship with this person that probably isn't best for me, but I want it. Will you bless me in this relationship? Do you see what we can do? It's very similar here. And I, I, the sad truth is we do this all the time. And can I just say I've experienced this myself. I'm going to give you a little story here. I um, knew that God was calling me into the ministry. Now, I took time and I fasted and I prayed, and it sounds very spiritual, but believe me, I was at the end of my rope, and that's the only reason I did it. And I, and, and I told my wife to do it too. I said, you need to fast and pray. And she said, okay, let's do it. And we did it. And I felt the Lord really, it's one of the few times in my life, physically say, I heard him audibly in my head. I mean, I really heard him. I want you to feed my sheep. I want you to be a pastor. And I, and I was like, okay, I, I got it. And I tried to make it happen. <laughs> I, I, I felt like the Lord was saying, go ahead. And, and so I said, okay, Lord. And I started to go into every ministry I could. And I said, okay, now, Lord, come with me. Did you get it? And for six years I did that. And my family suffered. I suffered. My relationship with the Lord suffered. I kept running on ahead. And I didn't understand that I was to wait for him to go before me. Like Jesus on the water. See, we flip it around. A lot of times we go out there and we're sinking in the water going, God, come on! You're supposed to meet me out here! 
<laughs> when we when the truth is Jesus called Peter and the ark went before and said follow I didn't get it I didn't get that I was called I mean I was called to ministry after all why couldn't I go before and do the ministry I want it took me 6 years finally I stopped and I learned my lesson A year later, God called me to follow him, and it made all the difference. Seven years. See, the truth is, if, if we're really going to go before God, then, then good luck. Because many people do this, and many people suffer. And you're going to get sad, you're going to get frustrated, you're going to go through paths, and, and you can't blame God because you went before him. And he says, wait for me. I'll lead you. See, the Israelites waited for the Lord to go first, and it made all the difference. They knew what it was to have God's presence leave, as their forefathers did, and they wandered in the desert. So they didn't want to take any steps until God went before them. This is the difference between the good kings and the bad kings in all of Israel. We see they wait on God. But many people never experience this fearless life of discipleship. Where Christ goes before and leads the way because they're too busy trying to get ahead on their own and tell God to follow them. See, the truth is, we have something greater than a golden ark. I mean, that, that picture's awesome. I mean, isn't that kind of cool? I mean, I, I don't know about you guys, but I get excited when I see that. It's like, wow, that's awesome. But we have more than just this symbol of, of God's presence. We don't need a symbol. We have a Savior. We have a Savior. When Jesus started his ministry, he went to the synagogue and read from the school of Isaiah where it said, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. You can get that because the ark is where the Spirit of the Lord was on. And now he says, the Spirit of the Lord is on me, the mercy seat, because he has anointed me to proclaim what? Good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. You see, what he's saying is, I am going on ahead. I'm going before you and doing God's work. Follow me. Follow me. We don't need the symbol. We've got the Savior. So my question is simple. Where in life are you running on ahead? Is it in a relationship? Is it in your belongings where you're all about acquiring more and more things and now you have the debt to prove it? And you're more and more burdened down because you're running on ahead with that. Or maybe it's in your family where you've been living your way and not seeking Him and where He wants to lead you and you're feeling the pressure because you went on, went on ahead of him and didn't seek him. There is no greater peace. There is no fearless living. There is no fearless living. Let me just say that simply. You cannot be fearless if you go ahead of God. Fearless living only comes as God goes before you. Now, that next part, because you're going to need this, for the next part. See, fearless living means we trust God's strength and we let Him lead. See, tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan waters, go and stand in the river. So when the people broke up camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood, st flood stage, all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. 
This is awesome. This is one of the great miracles of the Bible here. But there's some really practical things in it I want to show you. But the crazy thing is that we need to get from this is that the priests actually had to wade into the Jordan with the ark in front of the whole nation if they were to trust God's strength and let him lead. See, there's a couple things we need to take notice of. First of all, it says that the Jordan is at flood strength. Now, I have a picture of the Jordan, and the reason I have an old picture is because the Jordan isn't the Jordan that it was even a hundred years ago. The Jordan is a lot more diminished than it was. And they say, archaeologists and historians say, that the Jordan back then would have been ridiculously even bigger than this. And this is a good idea of a flood stage of the Jordan. Our country knows floods and hurricanes. I I had an opportunity to serve at uh, Katrina for, for about two years. We went every three months, and I went a couple times. And I saw homes, and I saw things devastated by easygoing waters. Flood stage. Now, why did God pick flood stage? Wait for the trickle, God. (laughs) You want me to wait in that? If there's ever a time we need God's strength and leading, it's during the flood stage. Let me just say this. First and foremost, the people on the other side are sitting easy and comfortable. Why? Because it's flood stage. They're going... Ain't nobody getting over that river. Those Israelites might be sitting over there, but that obstacle, that challenge is way too big for them. They're not going to make it. We're fine. We've got a couple of months to prepare and do whatever we got to do to stop them and God's plans. Because that challenge, that river is impassable. It's bigger than them. Do Do you see? God chose flood level. Because whenever he leads us to something bigger than us, he gets the glory. He gets the honor. He gets the worship. See, God is not deterred or or afraid of something that's bigger than us. In fact, it's a bigger opportunity to see God work. When we get to the end of our rope, we get to the river, we get to that Jordan, we get to the flood stage, and we look at it and we say, I can't do that. That is the perfect time for God to say, now you're ready. Now you get where I work. I work in the divine. I work in the eternal. I work in the infinite. You're finite. I'm infinite. See, this is what God means when he says, you need to rely on my strength and rely on my lead. See, God is not stopped in your life by the river of no qualifications and no experience. God is not stopped in your life by the river of finances. God is not stopped in your life by the river of cancer. God is not stopped in your life by the river of infertility. What is your river that God has brought you to? Because I guarantee you it's at flood stage at some point of your life and God wants to take you through it. And you're not going to be able to do it on your own power. He's got to go before you. See, this is what he showed good old Gideon. Gideon, it's one of my favorite stories in the book of Judges. I love Gideon because he's a coward. He's like me. You know, it's this great story. And we first see Gideon as he's in in a wine press where you're supposed to be, you know, getting wine stuff. And he's in there doing what? Threshing wheat. You're not supposed to do that in a wine press. Why are you doing that, Gideon? Because he's afraid. He doesn't want to have the Midianites see him because it's against the law. They've set up a law that he can't do this. And so he goes and hides and tries to do this. It's really hard to thresh wheat, throw it up in the air and have the wind hit it when you're in a wine press. Because there's no wind hitting the wheat and taking out the, 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 the nasty chafe, the chaff on it. And so he's doing this. Why? Because he's a coward. And by the way, he's from the smallest tribe. 
And he's a small man. And God comes to him and says, Oh, Gideon, I want to do something ridiculous through you. And Gideon tries to get out of it. Gideon's like, you don't know, I'm small. My tribe is small. Oh, and I don't even know if it's you, God. And so he constantly goes before God and says, Okay, now do this, do that. That's where we get the idea of Gideon's fleece. He's constantly testing God. Okay, God, you're really going to use me? Well, let me see. If you're going to use me, then do this. If you're going to use me, then do this. I mean, he's going after excuse after excuse after excuse. I've never been there. And I'm sure you never have either. And Gideon finally relinquishes and says, Okay, I'm going to do this for the Lord because the Lord is with me. And he gathers in a miracle. He gathers tens of thousands of people to go against the Midianite horde, which is literally like, you know, the horde of Mordor. I mean, you know, they empty the gates and it's like, oh, you know, you're scared. <laughs> you are scared, baby. And, and, and he, God says, I got these men. And, and God says, okay, let's whittle them down. What? No, you mean the enemy, right? No, 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 no. We're going to whittle your army down. And he goes from tens of thousands of men to fight Midian to 300 Are you nuts, God? That's what I would have thought. But, but isn't that the case when we're following the King of Kings? It's not about what you can do. It's about what he will do when he goes before you. And Gideon sees amazing miracles. And the Midianite horde is driven away because God went before and he led in his strength. And we learn from Gideon, as we're learning here from the Israelites, that when you face that impassable river, if God is going on before you, there's no such thing as impossible. There's no such thing as impossible. The Apostle Paul talks about this. See, there's nothing that can stop God. Look at here at what God does with Joshua and the Israelites. God takes the priests into this swollen, dangerous river and says, Trust my strength as you follow my lead. And what's interesting is in verse 16, we see that the river stops at a place called Adam. Now what's really interesting about that, now you have to imagine, the, the priests are wading into this. And again, this is, this is probably diminished than what it really was. And so here you have the priests in high priestly gear, right? And they're walking through. They're holding the, the, um, you know, the, the, the Ark of the Covenant. And they're going through and the water's getting higher and higher and higher. And it says, yes, that the water stopped as soon as they touched it. But it stops at Adam. You know where Adam is? 18 miles away. 18 miles away! I wish I had a picture to show you where, I mean, it's, it's far. You can't see 18 miles away, especially on a windy river. It stops up there. They don't see it. See, it's already stopped, but they don't know it. They're in there. And by the way, the Mississippi River travels at about three miles per hour. Uh, the Colorado River tra- travels at about 2.3 miles per hour. The Sacramento River travels at about one and a half. Let's just, give, let's just be liberal here and say that the Jordan travels at about two miles per hour. That's about eight to nine hours before they felt the lack of that river. See, even though the water stopped, miracle, they didn't see it until later. Sometimes we forget this. And let me give you some advice here because I've been there. I step in, God says go, and I instantly want that. Okay, and he's done it, but I don't see it. And maybe you're like me. You're an American. You want instant gratification. (laughs) You want it to work right away. 
And you're wet and you're tired as if you're the, one of the priests standing in the Jordan. And everyone's looking at you go, come on, God. This, I've been here for seven and a half hours. When will the water stop? And he's the whole time he's saying, it's already stopped. You just don't know it. It's already stopped. See, the truth is, God wants to lead you through the Jordan in your life. Maybe it's the years and years that you've been standing in the huge river of debt. And let's face it, you, you kind of got there on your own. I've been there. But now you're doing what God has called you to do. You've stepped out in the waters. You said, okay, God, you've relinquished your finances. You said, God, what I have is yours. I'm going to give I'm going to live as a manager, as a good steward of your finances. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to, I'm going to do what you've called me to do. I'm going to wade into the Jordan. Because this is my Jordan, baby. And it's bad. And it's hard. And I'm getting tired. And it's cold. And, and where are you? Because it's been a year. And the truth is, the waters have stopped. But you're asking, when have the waters stopped? Because you're not seeing it yet. See, the river of failing health is deep and you've been following God's lead even in this, but you're waist deep and it's uncomfortable as you seek God's strength in each visit to the doctor. You sit as they continue to do test after test and poke you with so many needles that you've lost count. One of my favorite stories is in the book of Isaiah with the, with the king Hezekiah. And the prophet comes to Hezekiah and says, get your house ready in order because you're going to die. And he goes, you know what, Lord? Everything I have is from you. So I'm going to praise you. But if you can give me more time, that'd be great. The Lord gives him another 15 years. But each year, you know he was going... As he wades in the water. Because it could be this year that I die. But you know what? Hezekiah doesn't just do that. He continues to walk through it. Knowing that the waters have already stopped. And he writes 15 of the pilgrim psalms that we get out of the book of Psalms, which are beautiful and give glory to God for each year that he's alive because he realizes that the waters have stopped even when he doesn't see it. How about the fact that you've been seeking God for what seems like years in the area of your work? You have bills to pay and mouths to feed and it just seems like the more you trust in God's strength and follow his lead, you get deeper and deeper into the cold, murky water of the biggest, scariest river you've ever seen and you're asking, when will it stop? Let me just say, if you're following God's lead and he's called you into that river that's impassable and you can't do it, he's already stopped the river. He's already stopped it. We need to trust. I love what it says in Psalm 27 as we see the psalmist putting his, his life and trust in God's strength and God's leading. He says this, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. God has already stopped the waters. I'm confident of it. I'm confident of it. And then he goes on to say, wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart. Wait for the Lord. Don't go out ahead. Don't do it. Last, fearless living means our lives will be a marker to God's movement. I love this because we see in verse 4, or in chapter 4, we see God having the Israelites do this thing that seems kind of weird. So he, Joshua called together the 12 men because God told him, do this, Joshua. So he, he calls them together and he appointed from the Israelites after they get across on dry ground because they go through this river. It's amazing. It's a miracle. The priests are standing in it because they're in the presence of the Lord. 
But the people get to experience the dryness and they go across. And now God calls the Israelites, the priests to do something. He says, call, go over before the ark of the Lord, your God, into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder, 12 men, according to the number of tribes of, of the Israelites. 12 big stones out of the Jordan. Stack them up. Why? He says to go stack them up on the side to serve as a sign among you in the future when your children ask, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant, that God went before. And this is a monument to say He moved. And it's still there. there. See, the stones were to represent the movement of God in His people, lives. Jesus Christ is our corner stone. Everyone would see it. You see, God leads us through the through the impassable waters of a hard marriage so that our life can be a marker to His movement. God leads us through the river of debt so that our life can be a marker to His movement. God leads us through the river of loss and grief so that our life can be a marker to His movement. God leads us through the impassable river of dilapidating pain so that our life can be a marker to His movement. Some of the greatest miracles I've ever heard of and the stories that just bring tears to my eyes are people who go through things that I would never even dream of and not in a good way but wake up from as in nightmares. And they say, God is good because look at what God is bringing me through. Look what he's bringing me through. One of the craziest stories is from a man named Brennan Manning who was Rich Mullen's kind of spiritual mentor and talk about a guy that went through junk he, he, there's one leper colony still, as far as I know, in, in America for people with Hansen's disease. And it was this gal who didn't even speak English, barely, and never had read in her life. One of the most beautiful women he had ever seen. But she had no nose now and no fingers. And she was on her deathbed. And she's on her deathbed in pain for much of her life. It's like, here's a river that I wouldn't want. <laughs> but God brought her through it. And she tells Brennan, the Lord, the Lord, He desires me. He loves me. After everybody in her life, after all of her husband had disowned her and everything and her kids, she'd taken them away from her. Here she is all alone dying. And she says, I have the Lord. And she quotes this scripture that she's never even read because the Lord is walking before her and leads her through. What river does God have before you? Don't run. Don't grow weary. But trust Him in His leading and strength. And I can assure you, I can assure you, He will deliver you. See, the truth is that Jesus wants to lead us through the river that we cannot cross on our own. The river of our sin and our death. We we can't cross it. Only Jesus, the great high priest, waded into that. See, the crazy thing is, Over a thousand years later, we have the second Yeshua. Because Joshua and Yeshua are very similar. That's where, I mean, a lot of times we can look at Jesus as being Yeshua. It's the same thing. And Yeshua and Joshua, and we have the second Joshua. We have Jesus. And what does he do? Before he starts his ministry, he goes down to what? The Jordan River. He wades in. And he becomes baptized. To identify with us. As sinners, not himself a sinner, 
but saying, I'm making a way, I'm going in, I'm going to lead you across the other side. See, the Bible shows us a pattern of people confessing their need for this Savior. Not the symbol, but the Savior. And then it always follows with baptism. Why? Because it links our words with our life, our actions, what we do. One of the first steps we take as believers is baptism. It is the representation of following Jesus through the river of death and coming out alive. Coming out as new creations, more than conquerors. Our sins were that of scarlet. Now there's white as snow. It is one of the first markers in our life that represent God is going before us and we, I, will let him lead me in his strength. It's the representation. It doesn't cure us. It doesn't heal us. But it's a monument to saying, I'm trusting God. My question is simple. There is a river in front of you. God's calling you out. Follow him. But maybe you're a new disciple of Christ. Or maybe you're a disciple of Christ that's been a while. I mean, you've been following him, but you've never started with that first step of baptism. I want to encourage you. I want to pass something around that I forgot to bring with me. But it's a, it's a thing, and I'm going to start it around. And if you guys want to sign up, I would encourage you. It's on the, uh, it was out there on the uh, counter. But I, I, I want to encourage you to sign up. Because it's a simple way of saying, okay, God, I know you passed through. I know you did what I could not do. I want to identify with you. I want to bring my family. I want my family to see that I'm trusting your leading. I'm trusting in your strength. That's what it's about. It's a declaration. It's a monument. It's picking up the stones of death, setting them there, and saying, look what God did in my life. And I don't know about you, but if I'm going to live fearless, I need a monument to look at. To remember what God did. Because the alternative is to be afraid. And as Jeff shared earlier, it's easy to live that life of fear, even as a religious person. And you point your finger at everybody else. But now we need to live that life where we come through. So if you see this, it's passing around. I want to encourage you to sign up. We'll have a class a week beforehand if you have questions about it, but... Baptism is an awesome thing. Our Lord did it. He calls us to it. So I'd like to do something here. Let's, let's go before the Lord and pray. As we bring up the, uh, the, the worship team as they're coming on up. I want you to really kind of, in your mind, fix that river that God has there. and He's calling you out and you know it. And the great high priest is standing out there and as he called to Peter, he's calling to you. Are you going to come out? Don't be afraid. Don't run away. But my hope is that if you don't know Jesus, this is the perfect time to... He's calling you out. Because he loves you. And, and He wants to move with you and do something in your life that's going to give an eternal, eternal purpose to those around you. I love what we see in the book of Jeremiah. He says, I, to the, the, those in exile, He says, I, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Many of you 
know what exile is. And some of you are still in exile. God knows the plans He has for you. Will you follow Him? Will you go through that impassable river as He leads you out? Lord, we just come before You and we thank You. We thank You that that there are things that are bigger than us that we that are that we cannot do. Because we really truly come to the end of the of the bank and we say, I can't go any farther. But Lord, that's that's what you use in our life. And so first and foremost, I want to thank you, Jesus, for wading into those waters of death and my own sin, which I could not take. And you took for me at the cross. And you made a way through death into eternal life. To the real promised land. The eternal life with our Heavenly Father. So Lord, I just want to thank you for that. And I want to say that there are still many things, many impassable things that my brothers and sisters face. May we hold you up. May we glorify you in these things as we trust you, as you, we know you're going before us in them, and as you lead us through. Give us the strength, not our own physical strength, but your spirit, so that we can do above and beyond what we would normally do, because you are doing it through us. You've led us through. We just love you and we thank you and we give you this time.